Y'all may be seated. Lord, thanks for the day again, for waking us up. And Lord, we pray for Mrs. Walker today. God, we do thank you for her many, many prayers for her son David and Shirley and the children and for myself, Lord. I know she's called my name out many times and we just pray you'd visit her right now, Lord, wherever she's at, from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet, Lord. We ask, we would not dare tell you what to do, Lord. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We don't tell you what to do. We don't order you around. Your word said to ask. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. So, God, we take yet your word today. We ask you, Lord. Would you touch Mrs. Walker's physical body today? Give Brother David what he needs to say, Shirley what she needs to say. And Lord, again, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the past service, Lord. Thank you for those who acknowledged you outwardly. And Lord, we know many, many, many inwardly as they're listening, as they're watching. But, oh, God, this is a new time. It's a new day. This hour is a new day, Lord. You know it. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. Would you give me what I need today to prepare all our hearts, myself most included today? This hour, Lord, we ask you, would you visit with us, Lord? Would you speak to us? Thank you for Josh and the team that lead us in worship week in and week out, Lord. Thank you for musicians, Lord. Pray your blessing on them as they go today. Lord, we love you and we are thankful of your plan, your great plan that you had. One plan, not many plans, one plan. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you. Wanted to pray for Ms. Walker. Missed that opportunity this morning after the first service, but... Uh, Merry Christmas. We've got a tradition around our house that the day after Thanksgiving, we put on that Christmas music and, uh, in my car, in my home. And uh, one of the other things that many of you know, I've had the opportunity of being able to speak to, the, to men and women in the, the National Basketball Association, the NBA. Uh, it's been 28 seasons now that an hour before every game, we get to speak to the men and women that come to play our Spurs as well as the Spurs, the guys that show up one hour before every game, there's a pregame chapel. And uh, when they come into the AT&T Center and I'm there, they will not be hearing about what Miss Oprah Winfrey has to say or Dr. Phil has to say or Dr. Oz has to say. They hear out of the number one selling book of all time. It's called the Bible. And the reason I share the Bible with NBA players and everyone I come in contact with is because we got a promise in Isaiah that says the word of God will never come back empty. It will never come back void. It's going to do what God wants it to do. So we give them the word of God. But one of the things about the NBA is you all know we have our two Christ Christian holidays during the NBA, Christmas and Easter. 
And uh, for the guys, it's not easy sometimes. They've got to play on Easter. They've got to travel on Christmas Day, be away from their families. But for guys like me, it's been a blessing to be able to study the Christmas story. There's so many stories. There's so many devotions. There's so many thoughts, as all of you know, in that Christmas story in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And I imagine many of you are probably saying that's where he's going to go this morning. But no, I'm going to the text. It's the number one known verse in the Bible. It's John 3.16. When pastor asked me to speak, it just jumped into my spirit. John 3.16, and some of you have had opportunities to speak and preach and teach, and you say, Lord, Lord, is that what you want me to do? Are you sure? And it just, as we like to say around Alamo City, it never left me. Stayed with me. John 3.16, if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. I love to talk about the Christmas story. John 3.16 Many of you have it memorized, I'm sure. Amen. I do also. For the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible, for God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Many of you know this. I was speaking at a big prison in Phoenix a few years ago, and some guys from a False religion, we all know it's one of the biggest in the world, all over the world. And every time I said something, they would catcall me, you're lying. That's not true. And I've uh, been at it long enough. You know, you don't acknowledge it. I just kept on giving them. Thus saith the word of God. I've trained guys over the years to speak in public schools. I've been in over 4,000 of them all over the world. And and I would get a call sometimes from an educator. Hey, I was a contact at a school. Hey, man, your guy walked out today. And I get on the phone and call that guy. Yo, man, what happened today at the school? Man, Rich, those kids, they were so unruly. They were so, they were calling me names and things like that. And these are ex-pro football players that I was training to give the gospel. And I left. They hurt my feelings. And I used to tell them in love, bro, until they bring out that cross and those nails, you dig your heels in and you give them, thus saith the Lord. Amen? The word of God never comes back void. Well, these guys were catcalling me in this prison in Arizona, and afterwards, one of them came up to talk to me, and he told me the same thing, Trinity is not in the Bible, and I showed him a verse out of Genesis 1.26. Where God of the Bible, Jehovah God said, let's make man and women in our image. Let us make God, man and woman out of our image. Jesus said in John 10, 30, the Father and I are one. And they reached down to pick up the rocks, the Pharisees did. And Jesus said, what, what miracle are you going to stone me for? And they said, he said, no miracle, you being a man, you claim to be God. Every time Jesus came face to face with a demon, if you study it in Scripture, just Google demons. Every time he came face to face with demons, the demons hit the turf. And said, O Messiah, O Holy One, you've come before your time to torment us. 
The demons knew who Jesus was. He was God in the flesh. Let us make man, woman in our image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, it's better I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send you one just like myself. And he's not going to glorify himself. He's going to glorify me. And he told the apostles, the Holy Spirit is not going to glorify himself. He's going to glorify me. And he's going to teach you the things that I've taught you. Jesus came to glorify the Father. The Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus Christ. And now he said, let your light so shine in front of men to us believers on the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light so shine in front of men that they see your good works and give you a bad, that a boy, give you a trophy, give you that a backslap. No, that they glorify the Father. We're here to glorify Jesus Christ. The God of the Bible, the triune God, the one that Isaiah said in Isaiah 66, check it out. Isaiah said that the God of the Bible uses the earth as a footstool, as an ottoman. Get that picture. He said in Isaiah 6, when he was caught up into the presence of the Lord, just the train of his robe filled the whole temple. Check this one out. In Psalm 139, it says, the God of the Bible thinks of his children more than the grains of the sand of the sea. Think of going to Corpus Christi and picking up a handful of sand. And all those little granules, God can think of his children, just one of his children, more than the grains of the sand of the sea. Now think of all the grains of sand of the sea all over the world. The God of the Bible. 1 John 2, 22. John says, who's a liar? The one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is his title. It's the Hebrew. Hebrew is Messiah. Greek is Christ, anointed one, holy one. The God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he just didn't love humanity. He so loved humanity. He just didn't love humanity. He so loved humanity. Ephesians 3.20 says the God of the Bible does things abundantly and exceedingly See, he just didn't love us. You English majors know when you put S-O in front of a word, it means, it means a degree of love, exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever ask for. The God of the Bible, he just didn't love humanity. He so loved humanity. He so loved us. You know, there's a passage in Matthew 1, I love the to talk about the Christmas story out of Matthew. Like I said earlier, there's so many stories and devotions in the Christmas story, but one I like to talk about is about Jesus' earthly dad. He's a carpenter named Joseph. And Joseph's not quoted in the Bible, not one time. 
Mary, I love, I've taught that, and I love that Magnificat. It says in the Latin, Luke 1, her prayer when she was visited by the angel. And Elizabeth is quoted carrying John the Baptist when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and Mary's quoted in the Scripture. But Joseph is not quoted in the Scripture one time. But the Bible says in Matthew 1.18 that Joseph, her husband, was a just man. I love that term. A just man. A just woman. What does it mean? He was right. She was right with God. Joseph was right with God. He was a follower of Jehovah. He was a follower of his words and the commandments. And Joseph loved Mary. The God of the Bible loved humanity. And the God of the Bible, because he lived, loved humanity, he did something. We like to say around here for many, year, many, many t- years that love's an action word. The God of the Bible loved humanity, so he did something. He gave a gift. We love our children, so we love them, we discipline our children. We love our wives, so we sacrifice for our wives, because we're to love our wives like Jesus loved the church. He sacrificed, he gave his life for his bride. We love And it produces something. It produces giving, gifts. Some of you maybe saw online that the title for my message today was Why We Give Gifts at Christmas. The reason we give gifts at Christmas, because the one that we're made in his image He so loved, he gave, so we give. Amy Carmichael, some of you maybe remember that name. She was a missionary to India for 55 years, and reading her story, she never took furlough. She never left India. She never came back for a vacation, came back 55 years. She served the children and the people of India, and Amy Carmichael had a saying, you can give and not love, but you cannot love without giving. You can give and not love, but you can't love without giving. The God of the Bible the triune God, the one who spoke and the sun appeared, the one who spoke and the moon appeared, the one who uses the earth as a footstool, the one whose train fills the temple, the one who loves and can think of just one of his children outnumber the grains of the sand of the seashore. That God of the Bible He so loved humanity that he gave, and he gave us what we needed. 
He gave us what we needed. Jesus' name means Savior. Jesus' name means Rescuer. The, the Greek definition even goes a little bit deeper. The, the name Jesus means, check it out, Jehovah saves. God saves. It had to be God on the cross. Brothers and sisters, oh, we wouldn't have a clue. We wouldn't have a chance. We would have no hope today. Because we know every man, woman, boy that followed after Adam and Eve, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It couldn't be man on the cross. It had to be God-man on the cross. The God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he so loved humanity that he gave us what would need it. He gave us a Savior. Yesterday, I was up in Lockhart, Texas, the barbecue capital of the world, but I didn't have any barbecue. Spent some time with some young men that made some bad mistakes already in their young life. And there's a program up there and spoke to about 60 of these young guys and Gave them some hope. Talked to them about the Christmas story. Last Saturday, I was down at the Bear County Jail all day. Spoke, I think, nine times there. Giving these men and women in the Bear County Jail some hope through the Christmas story. The Christmas story gives hope. This week, I was also in Corpus Christi and down in the Rio Grande Valley. The day after Thanksgiving, it's Christmas music, and every opportunity I have, I speak out of the Chris all through December, I speak out of the Christmas story. Pastor alluded to that I've had opportunities now for the last four and a half years to be a corporate chaplain of a company in Austin, Texas. Monday through Friday, I start three phone calls every Monday through Friday with a devotional and prayer time. But all December, starting the day after Thanksgiving, every one of those devotions are going to come from the Christmas story. The Christmas story is the story of hope. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the world that you and I live in, they need hope. The God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He didn't love the world, humanity. He so loved us that he gave us what we needed. And then one of my favorite words in the scripture. God has blessed me and has given me many, many opportunities in these 39 years of traveling and speaking. And I've been on death row a couple times in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Huntsville, Texas. And a month ago down at DeBear County, we spoke to some guys that were on death row. They were heading to Huntsville. They were holding them at the jail. But the biggest prison in our world is in Los Angeles County. 
It's the L.A. County prison, 25,000 inmates. And up the street, not too far from there, it's where they carted Charles Manson out of there last year when he died. And Saran Saram was his next-door neighbor at a place called Corcoran in Southern California. And I've been to that penitentiary many times. And I followed an elephant there one time. This guy taught an elephant how to do tricks and anything to get the guys to come out of their cells. Because then they said, you know, we got another elephant over here on this platform. He played in the NFL, and he's going to speak to you today. We bring Harley Davidson bikes in there, Bobby Labonte's NASCAR, anything to get these guys to come out so we could share the gospel, the good news with them. And they had them, the men in the prison yard just in fences with barbed wire because they have to keep the gang separate. And I was up there speaking and talked to them and afterwards went down and visited with some of the guys and prayed with them and spoke some word into them. And a guy came up to me, a young fella. He had a tattoo on every part of his neck, eyelids, head, shaved head, ears. And he said, God can never forgive me, Rich, for what I did to her, what I did to him. I'm sorry to that family. And I said, son, let me tell you one of my favorite words in the Bible. Whoever. It's in the gospel of John, the third chapter, verse 16. The God of the Bible, the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one who spoke the moon, star, and sun into existence, the one who uses the earth as a footstool, that God of the Bible, he loved us. That he gave us what we needed, a savior, a rescuer. And son, it says, whosoever, whoever believes in Jesus, receives Jesus, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Yesterday up in Lockhart, visited with a young guy who was feeling the same way. God can never forgive me. And in love, I talked to him about pride. He talked to me about suicide and thinking about taking his own life. And I talked to him about, we're not God. God says life and death are in his hands. Life and death are in the hands of the Lord. And the Bible says, whosoever, rapist, pedophile, murderer, gang member, professional football player, president of the United States, Congress, businessman, businesswoman, teenager, whosoever, whosoever receives Jesus, whosoever believes in Jesus, will not perish, will not go to hell, but have everlasting life, spend forever and ever in a place called heaven. I told this young man, I'm not here to get you off your sentence, your double life sentence, but eternity's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and studying that passage about Lazarus and the rich man, 
It seems that those in hell could see the people in heaven and those in heaven could see the people in hell. But there's no, Abraham said, crossing that barrier. No one's ever going to leave hell and no one's ever going to leave heaven. And nowhere in the scripture is there something called purgatory or some holding tank. That would sound, that would be a pretty good deal, I think, to live the way you want to live and then eventually leave hell. The Bible doesn't teach that. Whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. The rich man in hell said to Abraham, Abraham, would you send somebody to my five brothers? Would Lazarus leave heaven and go speak to my five brothers? Because my five brothers, they're living the way I'm living. And maybe somebody that comes from heaven, some miracle could change my brothers. Because they're living the same way I'm living. And remember what Abraham says, no, your brothers have Moses. Do you remember what Moses, who Moses represents? The law, the word of God. And they have the prophets. No one leaving from heaven. No miracle is going to change your brothers. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing the story of Jesus Christ, the Christmas story. For God of the Bible, the triune God, the one who uses the earth as a footstool, whose train filled the row, the temple, who spoke the moon, stars, and son into existence who could think of just one child that outnumbered the grains of the sand of the sea, the God of the Bible. He so loved humanity, he gave us what we needed, a Savior, and whosoever, whosoever, whoever believes in Jesus. The word is, receives Jesus. Back in April 30th of 1983, I wasn't living under a bridge. I wasn't locked up in a penitentiary. I wasn't in a rehab. I was, as the people used to say, the top of my game. I was a professional football player. And I used to go to the chapel like these NBA players I was talking about go, and I used to go, but I went for all the wrong reasons. That's why chapel is so important to me. But April 30th, 1983, in Tampa Bay, Florida, an old guy came to speak to us that day. His name was Doc, and he shared the story, the Christmas story, John 3, 16. And I knew the Christmas story, and I knew the Good Friday story, and I knew the Easter story. I know about that young boy who killed the giant with a slingshot. But he shared a verse that day that changed my life. It's why I'm here today. I dropped public speaking three times at Temple University in Philadelphia. I never spoke publicly until after that day, April 30th, 1983, in Tampa Bay, Florida. And the verse was John 1.12. Jesus is speaking, he says, for as many as receive me, 
The word receive means appropriate. The word appropriate means, check it out, take to yourself and call them your very own. For as many as receive Jesus, appropriate Jesus. Why David could say in Psalm 23, the Lord's not just a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. For as many as receive Jesus, appropriate Jesus to him or her, he's given the right, the authority to be called, here it is, children of God. Folks, it sounds real good. This time of year especially, we're all God's children. I think there's even a Christmas song that talks about we're all God's children. It's not biblical. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. John 1.12 says, for as many as receive Jesus, appropriate Jesus, take to Jesus and call him your very own. To him or her, he's given the right, the authority to be called children of God. In other words, a gift has to be received. A gift has to be received. I hope and pray all of us have an opportunity to receive a gift this Christmas. It'll be wrapped in gold, maybe green, maybe red, maybe silver with a bow on it. Your name will be in the right-hand corner. But that gift doesn't do you one bit of good until what happens. You received the gift. A gift has to be received. The gift of my salvation was under my, under my tree for the first 25 years of my life. My wife's grandfather, he was 90, I'm sorry, 84 when he received the gift of Jesus Christ. My mom, who watched earlier today, she was, I believe, 53, 33 Easter's ago. My mom thought cleanliness was next to godliness. She thought she was getting to heaven because how clean her house was. She never drank. She never smoked. But 33 Easter's ago, by faith, she received the Lord. By faith. It has to be by faith, ladies and gentlemen, because you weren't there. I wasn't there 2,000 years ago. But we use faith every day. We leave here. Some of us will probably go through a drive-thru, go to a restaurant, order some food. We don't know what they're doing to our food in the kitchen. We take that food, we get that taco, we get that plate of food, and we eat that food by faith. We use faith every day. My grandfather helped build the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, Mackinac Bridge in Michigan. Been over that San Francisco Bridge with a Suburban, 40 gallons of gas, beautiful wife, four children. Before I went over the bridge, I didn't stop and say, hey man, this thing going to hold me? No, I go over the bridge by faith. Been to South Africa with my daughter a few years ago, 19 hours nonstop over the ocean. I don't have a clue how planes get off the ground, but I get on them all the time, get on them all the time by faith. The God of the Bible, he so loved humanity, he gave us what we needed. 
He gave us a Savior. Some of you maybe have received that Christmas card already. I usually get one or two. I haven't received one yet this year. It says if God knew we needed more education, he would have sent a teacher. If God knew we needed more money, he would have sent a banker. But God knew we needed redemption. We, knew to, we needed forgiveness. So he sent us what we needed. He sent us a Savior. He sent us a rescuer. Because he so loved us. You can give and not love, but you can't love without giving. You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. The God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he so loved humanity, he gave us what we needed, a Savior. And that whosoever believes in Jesus, appropriates Jesus, takes him to ourself, calls, us, calls him our Savior, my Savior, my Lord, will not perish, but have everlasting life. We'll spend eternity in a place called heaven where they use gold for asphalt, pearls for gates. There'll never be another heroin needle. There'll never be another jail cell. There'll never be another divorce. We'll be in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords singing holy, holy, holy. The Christmas story is a story of hope. The Christmas story is a story of giving, of love. Going back to that Jesus' earthly dad, Joseph, who was never quoted in the scripture, he loved Mary. And when Mary came up pregnant, Leviticus in the law said he could have took her down to city hall and had her stoned to death. But Joseph loved Mary. And one of the attributes or definitions of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is love bears all things. And here's what it means. It means love, if you love a person, you put a covering on their mistakes. Another way to say it is you put a blanket on on their mistakes. You don't broadcast a person's mistakes. Joseph loved Mary, and he said, the scripture says, he was going to put her away quietly, not publicly, because he loved Mary. And when you love, you give. Compassion. Mercy. Often tell Christians that we ought to be the most merciful, compassionate people walking on the face of the earth because we know what we've been forgiven from and we know what we've been forgiven to. We've been forgiven from hell and we've been forgiven to heaven. That's why Jesus said about Mary, the ex-prostitute, in front of the Pharisees, he said, those 
who have been forgiven much love much. He was saying that tongue-in-cheek to the Pharisees because they didn't think they needed forgiveness. And they were the biggest sinners. In chapter 23 of Matthew, I call it the woe chapter. Jesus is saying, woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you phonies. Woe to you Pharisees. The outside of your cup is shiny. You're filled. You're rotten on the inside. The outside outside of you is like a whitewashed sepulcher tombstone, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. And in Matthew 23, 23, easy verse to remember, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you forgot the more, I love the way it says it in the King James, you forgot the more weightier issues of the law, the most important issues of the law. He said, when you get a plate of food, you take 10% off your food, off your plate, you tithe from your little herb gardens, but you forgot the weightier issues of the law. What were they? Mercy. Compassion. Justice. What does justice mean? You treat people fairly. We have compassion on people. Why? Because love produces something. It produces giving. You remember it again? You can give without loving, but you can't. Love without giving. The God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I'm not senile. I know I'm repeating this verse. I come out of an athletic background. And every day, I used to tell my boys and my daughter, you got to come every day. You got to come every day. Sometimes, most of the time, at this time of year, I got my, my collar popped up. I got a scarf on. I'll go, you trying to be Philly, man. You're trying to be South Philly. I said, no, I got an arthritic neck because every day I hit that seven-man slit for 16 years in a row. Every day. Every day. Every day. The God of the Bible, he so loved humanity, gave us what we needed, not what we wanted. No one was on earth begging God to bring a Savior. No, they were eating and drinking and marrying and burying, acting a fool. But he gave us what we needed, a Savior. And whosoever... Whosoever receives Jesus, appropriates Jesus, takes Jesus to themselves and calls him your very own, to him or her, he's given them the right, the authority to be called children of God. And guys, ladies, there's just one plan. There's not many plans. There's just one plan. I gave this illustration, and maybe someone's thinking about a family member right now. Going to be with them tonight, this week, 
Christmas, next weekend, weekend after, Christmas, Christmas Eve. I use this illustration all the time. I think it's a good one. About one plan. One plan is love. It's so love. Many plans, not love. If you went to a dentist with a toothache, a toothache that you felt like your jaw was going to be cracked in half, you were in so much pain, and you went to the dentist and you said, Doc, I need some help, and she would say, well, go home, anything mom's got around the house, anything your wife's got around the house, anything your husband's got around the house, grandma across the across town's got, one of your neighbors got, take some of that medicine, and maybe you'll get well. You would never go to that dentist again, would you? No, because when you got an unbelievable excruciating pain in your mouth, you want a specific remedy for that pain. That doctor, that dentist, she would not be loving to you if she would send you home and say, figure out how to get rid of the pain. Just like the God of the Bible. If he would have put us on earth and said, figure out how to get to heaven. And if you don't figure it out correctly, you're going to burn in a place called hell forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. That would not be love, guys, ladies. That's not love. Love is I'm God, not me. Jeremiah said, he's the potter, we're the clay. No clay is on the wheel saying, hey, man, make me a a mug today. Hey, man, make me a plate today. Hey, make me a little lazy Susan today. The clay doesn't tell the potter what to do. He's God. Like I told that young boy yesterday, we're not God. Life and death are in God's hands. God had a plan. My son. John 1 says the word, capital W, was God, is God. Then 14 says the word became flesh. He was already always God, but he became flesh. The plan, I'm going to send my son. He's going to leave heaven. He's going to be born in a manger. He's going to live for 33 years. He's never going to disobey his mom. He's never going to break the law. He's never going to cuss. He's never going to have a bad thought. My son is going to leave heaven, live a perfect life, fulfill the law like no one else could ever do. And at the end of 33 years, he's going to say, no one takes my life. I lay my life down. See, I was born in a religion. I brought up in a religion where I thought the Roman soldiers and the Jews killed Jesus. You know what I came to find out? By studying the scripture in Isaiah 53. Some people call it the fifth gospel. Isaiah 53 says this, that it was the father, the potter's great pleasure that Jesus would die on the cross. It was God's plan. Not, one, not many plans God who created us has one plan. That's so love. Many plans, it's not love. Figure out how to get to heaven, and if you don't figure out, you're in a big heap of trouble. No, I'm God, I'm the potter, you're the clay, I got a plan. One plan. 
You could go all the way back to Genesis, Cain and Abel, right? Abel brought the blood. God received his sacrifice. Cain was a farmer, and he brought God the best apples, the best ears of corn. And you remember what Jehovah said? Cain, your sacrifice, your worship is unacceptable to me. And lots of guys preached that Cain was jealous of Abel. No, I don't believe he was jealous of Abel. Cain was mad at God. See, Cain had what I call the Frank Sinatra syndrome. Anybody remember an old crooner named Frank from Hoboken? What was his number one song? My Way. My Way. See, men and women today, just like way back in Cain's day in Genesis, the first children of Adam and Eve, they want to do it their way. Cain was angry at God because he didn't accept his vegetables, his fruit. But you remember what God did? He put his arm around Cain. And he said, son, why are you so downcast? All you got to do is bring me the blood, and all will go well with you. That's why missionaries like Amy Carmichael, 55 years without a furlough in India, not in 2000, back in the 50s, 60s. That's why people go across the ocean, into the jungle, put the Jesus film on a white sheet to show people in the Congo. That's why people go, because that gospel message changed their life. The Savior changed their life. Cain, why are you so downcast? Why are you so mad? Just do it the way I want you to do it. I know how. I'm God. I know how to be worshipped. I've got a plan. One plan. Not many plans. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way. Not one of the ways. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl will go to heaven but through faith in me. That is love, folks. Many plans, a thousand plans, get there the way you think you can, and maybe you'll go to heaven, hope you'll go to heaven. That's not love. That's not love. He created us. He's God. He knows what's best. He knows how he wants to be worshipped. And he's got a plan. And it never changes. Psalm 119, verse 89, thy word is settled in heaven. It's refined. Psalm 12 says 70 times 7. Anytime you see a multiple of 7, 
In the scripture, it means what? Perfection, completion. You cannot add to the word of God, and you can't take away from the word of God. The word of God is not going to change for somebody in 2022 or 2023 or 2050 like it never changed 100 years ago. It's the same. It's settled. We need to bring people to what the Word of God says. What God says, the one who created you says. Whosoever receives Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. Will you bow your head with me today? Not when I was a kid, but when I kind of got on my own, I used to be one of those guys called Christmas and Easter guys. That's when I would go to church. And you know, when you get ready to play against Mean Joe Green or Reggie White, I used to go to chapel. Old saying, never an atheist in a foxhole, right? Might be somebody here this morning. And been to church in a while. Christmas time, Christmas season. I figured I'd come today. Or maybe someone is tuning in first or second time of the year because of the Christmas. Prayer warriors that are sitting, you can come forward today. might be somebody here today or watching like our pastor likes to say around here the message dropped 18 inches like I said earlier I knew the Christmas story the Easter story knew the Good Friday story I knew about the young boy who killed the giant with a sling but it never changed my life it never changed the way I talked. It never changed the way I walked. It never changed the way I talked to people. It never changed the things I was putting in my body. It never changed my relationships until April 30th, 1983, before that game in Tampa, Florida. That message dropped to my head, from my head to my heart. And ladies and gentlemen, when that message drops to your heart, your life ain't never going to be the same. I just got to believe like it did in the first service. Might be somebody here today listening, watching. Maybe some of you got that little praise report from the pastor since September. Conservatively speaking, almost 2 million people are tuning in to Alamo City since September doubled from the whole year last year. Might be somebody listening today. You know it's God. That's what I say. I say in my testimony, I knew it was God because I had tried everything the world had to offer times two. And nothing made me feel the way I was feeling in that hotel room before that game in Tampa. Florida. I knew it was God. There might be somebody like that today.
If that's you, young man, young lady, sir, ma'am, in your heart of hearts, where the God of this Bible is so awesome, he can read your heart. Tell him what Tell him what he already knows about you. The word confess means to agree. Just agree with God right now on the internet, streaming, here in the room. Just tell him, Lord, I'm a sinner. I thought I could be good enough. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Just tell him that. If it's you, if it's not, just sit. We're almost done. And then say this, if it's you today, live stream here in the room, say, Lord, thank you for dying for me. And by faith, I receive what you did for me, not Adolf Hitler, but for me. I receive what you did for me on that cross 2,022 years ago and say thank you for saving me. With everybody's head down, your eyes closed, no one looking around. Anybody say, Rich? That's me today. I remember the last time I Spoke here, a guy came down and said, all he could say was today. I was talking about today is the day of salvation. And I said, how can I help you? And all he kept saying was today, today. Is it today for anybody today? Just lift up your hand as high as you can lift it and then put it right back down. Thank you. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for the great Christmas story that you loved us, and because of that, you gave what we needed. Thank you, Lord, for being in the saving business still. Thank you for this old book. The greatest thing about it, Lord, in my estimation, it tells us how we can get from earth to heaven when we die. Faith in Jesus Christ alone. Lord, help us as believers. Help us to represent you well, Lord. Help me represent you well in everything. Say, think, do. Lord, your word says it's our reasonable act of service if we claim our relationship with you, some things in our life should line up to that commitment, that verbiage. Help us, Lord. Help me, Lord. Lord, protect us as we go. Again, Lord, be with our pastor, his wife, and his mom. Give them what they need at this hour, this moment today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Folks, Larry and Melissa are here, Kurt and Linda over here. If uh, you need prayed, I like to tell, like to say often, don't leave the same way you came in. Let us pray for you. Encourage you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Merry Christmas. Praise God. Amen.